I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, my loves, and how are you? Long time no speak. If you are a long-term listener of the podcast, you will know that we've had a bit of a break over here. If you follow me on the social media channels for the podcast or my main social media channels, which is Toby and Rue and Unfollowing Mum on Instagram, TikTok, you know, the those places, then you will know that we have been on holiday, which is why I haven't been here for the last few weeks. It's been quite nice to have a bit of a break, to be honest. It might not feel like a break if you haven't caught up with all of the episodes or if you're just joining us more recently, but actually it's been quite nice. This is a weekly podcast, so there's so much that goes into it and I love talking to you guys about all of these things, but sometimes I think we all just need a bit of a step back, a bit of a break. And we have come back to everybody being poorly mined, so you know, Yay! Uh, But it has been a wonderful family holiday that we've been able to enjoy, which when I reflect on it, family holidays are not something that I had terribly often growing up. So I feel like I really lean into them now, sometimes almost too much, like I almost want too much perfection from them. And I'm trying to do too many things and trying to fit too many wonderful, joyful memories in one and end up getting myself all stressed. But I feel like there's so much value in a family holiday and so much warmth in being able to spend time together in a different location away from reality because we all know that reality can suck the joy out of things at times so just to be able to step back and spend some time with my kids with my partner it was really wonderful and I'm really lucky to have been able to do it. Okay so for today's episode what I wanted to talk to you about was serious health scares when you are estranged and even I mean even just being unwell in general but those serious health scare moments I think have a whole different element to them when you are estranged. For those of you that do follow me across my social media channels, you may have seen that before we went away, I spoke about a serious health scare that I've had recently and how that impacted me. So a few, well, it'd be about a month and a half ago now, maybe a bit longer, I found a lump in my breast and I am somewhat vaguely aware of a familial history of breast cancer, but I'm twofold, not sure exactly of the details surrounding that because of my 
my mum's relationship with her family. She very rarely spoke to them unless it was of benefit to her. And then as they all got older, they tended to speak to each other a bit more often, especially her and her sister. But that was generally brought into a drama scenario as opposed to a let's talk about family history. And twofold, I remember my mum discussing having a lump when she was about the same age as as I am now, mid-30s. But... Here's the crux. When you have a toxic parent, do I know if that information is accurate and do I know if that's true? Is that something that I can rely on when it pertains to my own medical history? And I wanted to talk to you about how it feels to find yourself in one of these situations when you are estranged and all of the complications that it throws up around that. Now, what I talked about across on my social media channels was how being scared and worried about your health is tough enough. Anybody who has had a serious health scare or who has fallen prey to Dr. Google, because I see you, I have done it too. I'm one of those people that will say to everybody, don't Google your symptoms, don't do it, don't do it. And then we'll go and Google my symptoms. And every single time without fail, it's incredibly dramatic. So I found this breast lump. It was really, really painful. I ignored it for a little bit of time and then eventually went to the doctors because it was super painful. I was running in the morning and it was even just bouncing around in my bra was thinking, oh my God, that is really painful. Like the kids couldn't hug me. Enough was enough. So I went to the doctor and the doctor was really reassuring. They were like, look, I'm I'm gonna give you a course of antibiotics for a couple of weeks because most often breast cancer lumps are not painful so I I wouldn't worry too much however if it hasn't gone by the end of the course of the antibiotics I'm going to refer you to the breast clinic so I come home and I'm like oh okay okay and she was talking about mastitis I had mastitis when I was breastfeeding my kids and I was like yeah I'm sure it's fine cue me two hours later googling painful breast lump and finding out that that can be one of the symptoms of one of the most vicious types of breast cancer that uh, is quite prevalent in women of my age or slightly older. So of course, of course I googled and I'm panicking and I'm winding myself up. What Google fails to tell you is the nuance around these things. So when it talks about a breast lump that is painful, it doesn't mention that there will be huge red swelling, which is what the consultant told me when I eventually went for the breast referral, because the lump didn't 100% go. So here's me for two weeks on antibiotics, panicking to myself that I have one of the most vicious types of breast cancer and that I'm 100% going to leave my kids without a mum and getting really dramatic in my own mind and then berating myself for being dramatic because I've been raised to believe that people who are dramatic with health problems are a problem in and of their own and that we should just buckle down the hatches and get on with it and it was just such an awful feeling so all of that on its own is bad enough and and that's perfectly normal reaction to having a severe health scare we are told if you find a breast lump that you should worry about it you should seek medical advice immediately we're also then told don't google but I mean let's be honest how many of us listen to that so here's me with all these panics and worries which are perfectly normal but then for people who are estranged which I don't think is spoken about enough or even people who don't have a positive relationship with their parents but are in contact with them those parents are often the key holders to the familial health information they are the ones who you go to. In fact, the hospital, how many times will you go there? And the question is, is there a family history of X, Y, Z? So for me, 
when I was faced with questions of, is there a family history of breast cancer? It doesn't come with a box that says, I don't know, and I have nobody to ask. It really is a yes or no question. And the look that you get from medical professionals is often, why can't you answer this? And the assumption when we have these questions from medical professionals is that you'll have the knowledge anyway, because you've chatted to people or you perhaps had the unfortunate um, incidents of going to funerals as you're growing up, of hearing of loved ones who've passed away in a close family unit, all of these different things. Or if you don't have that op- that option, you've not witnessed deaths, you've not been subjected to that side of things, you'll ask. Like you'll just give your parents a text message and be like, hi, is this within our family? Not to worry everybody, but you'll find some way to ask. And it's never fun having to explain to medical staff that I can't answer that. And and they can be as kind and understanding and empathetic as you like, but the anger and the resentment that it brings up it's massive. And I think I underestimated how massive it would be. I felt so angry that I had nobody to ask. And I felt so angry that the knowledge that I did have, I couldn't trust because I know the type of person that my mum is. And that was something that I didn't expect to have to deal with at that time. And when I expressed that, there were a few people who'd messaged and said, well, surely if it's medical, it's worth putting your pride aside and reaching out to ask. And and the thing is, I can assure you from the position that I sit in, it's absolutely not. And it goes back to what I've just said about not being able to trust the information. Will it be believable? Or are they going to take a, a position where you're already really stressed and manipulate it to make it all about them? I'm sure there will be people listening to this who have been in contact with toxic parents, who've had serious health scares, or who have had serious health problems, and the parent makes it all about them. I remember when I had a miscarriage, my mum delighted in being able to tell my husband that he wasn't doing it enough because he'd stayed with our two younger children whilst I'd driven myself to the hospital, but then fluffing around me and telling everybody, Harriet's had a miscarriage and it's so awful, when it was nothing to do with her, none of her business, none of her information, to or none of her, her right to give out that information. And yet here we were, making it all about her. Another great example is when I was in labour with Toby, my mum was there because she wanted to be and at the time I didn't have the emotional strength to tell her that I didn't want her present and there'd been conversations before between myself and my husband when I was pregnant with my eldest Reuben, uh, Toby's my middle child for those of you that may not know, but when I've been pregnant with my eldest Reuben, I really wanted my mum there. I was totally enmeshed with my mum. I thought that we just had this super close relationship and that that would be normal and didn't realise the impact that that was having on my relationship with my spouse. And for some people that might be a great normal thing for them to have their parent there. But looking back on it, it was really uncomfortable and my mum very much was taking over and almost in some ways taking over the role of spouse and nudging my husband out of the way, which is exactly what she wanted to do. But when it came to Toby, after having had Reuben, and this was only 18, 19 months later, I'd already started to see real fractures in our relationship and start to see how my childhood perhaps wasn't normal and how her behaviour now perhaps wasn't normal. 
And I'm just going to take a moment to correct myself there because I use the word perhaps, which is a self-gaslighting term. It's, it's giving opportunity for there maybe to be something different as an outcome. Maybe I've overreacted. I haven't. Her behavior wasn't normal and her behavior during my childhood wasn't normal. So if you catch yourself doing that, which I try to pick out on the podcast when I do do it. That is part of my coaching experience and something that I do with my clients. We all do it because we've been raised and taught to self-gaslight. But don't perhaps yourself. You know the truth of it. I know the truth of it. The behavior wasn't normal. Anyway, back to the story. I'd established that I didn't want her there. And I just I just didn't have it in me to say. The thought of saying to my mum, I don't want you to be there when I'm giving birth. I just want it to be myself and Adam was horrific, like physically made me feel dizzy and sick because I'd be betraying her when she needed to be there. God knows what I was thinking. Oh, I do know what I was thinking. Of course, I know what I was thinking. I was enmeshed and I was conditioned to believe that that's what a good daughter would do, that we were just close and that she should be there. That was the norm. But it wasn't and it made for an extremely uncomfortable birth experience The midwife was actually asking my mum some questions at the time about her previous births and my previous births and Toby's heart rate kept dropping off. Things were not going well at all. I had a really traumatic birth with my first child, ended up in an emergency C-section and they were pretty convinced that things were going the same way with Toby. So they were asking some questions, all relating to health, all really relevant. My mum had had um, previous problems with her previous birth she had triplets before me who sadly passed away and these were all things that you would expect in a normal situation my mum professed to be a qualified midwife before she transitioned to be a qualified nurse now as a side note I can't actually find any evidence that she was ever a midwife I've seen pictures and things where she claims that was her in her midwifery role but I'm now not so sure and my mum did some very intimate uh, examinations of me when I was pregnant under the guise of I'm a qualified midwife, whilst also offering out lots of information that I now know wasn't true and could have been potentially damaging to me and my baby. So there's a real centering of herself there as someone who is in a, a power role. And when the midwife was asking her questions, as someone who claimed to be a qualified fellow midwife, mum just smirked and she kept giving these really kind of non-committal answers with a bit of a a sly smirk and any of you who have a toxic parent I'm sure will know that smirk that I'm talking about and in the end we had to apologize to the midwife when mum left the room because it was becoming so frustrating for everyone that mum just wouldn't give a straight answer and I think if memory serves someone actually said whether it was myself or Adam just answer the question or something along those lines but I wouldn't swear to that because I was in the middle of labour and my memories around it were pretty hazy. Another example of lying about things that could impact me further down the line when it comes to health was that my mum always told me that she was one of five sets of twins and that was plausible for when she grew up you know you're talking about these kids being born in the 40s 50s 60s and 10 kids was not unusual but I was always told some of the children didn't survive now we can't find any evidence on any birth or death records that all of these siblings actually existed at the moment I think there's only five or six that we can actually find a record of 
And when I briefly mentioned something once to one of her siblings about them all being sets of twins and there potentially being one or two that were born in between that were stillbirths, her sibling looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And mum jumped in and said, oh, you know, you know, this, this and quickly changed the subject. That's information that when I went to the hospital and talk about my pregnancies was asked, are there twins in your history? So I already have a history with my my mum of giving information that's simply not true. So the information that I did have, and if I did just, as people might put it, swallow the pride and reach out to ask, how do you know that in those situations it's not going to be made 100% about the person and used gleefully to create drama and, oh, my baby is poorly, when actually they don't really give a shit that you're poorly, it's just feeding some kind of narcissistic supply in them. Or how do I know that she's not going to take it and not give the information anyway or give incorrect information to make things seem more dramatic? You don't. Asking a toxic parent about anything health related, whether you are in contact with them or you are not, is genuinely a one-way ticket to Traumaville. And on a final note on that, I know that there are so many reasons why someone might not have access to medical history of their family. There might be adoption, there might be family deaths during adolescence, might be being raised by a step-parent, a grandparent, so many different reasons. And medical professionals should never assume that you have access to these things. The vast majority don't. The vast majority of professionals are incredibly understanding. They hear it every day. You know, they, they see... All the things that myself as a coach, therapists, psychotherapists, anyone working in social services, teaching staff, anyone who deals with the public and family units on a daily basis will see how difficult families can be. So they're not going to judge you on that, you hope. However, there is a difference and it's often the social acceptability of it when it comes to estrangement and that is slowly changing But there is that, can't you just speak to them? Can't you just swallow your pride? Can't you just go and deal with it because this is important? Whereas you wouldn't receive that kind of response if you said that a family member had passed away or you said that you were adopted. There is a real fear of being judged. And that, I think, is so prevalent for so many of us that it can make it really difficult, even if you do have understanding people. It's like a chronic over-explaining comes out, a defensiveness, a real shame around it. And it's all symptomatic of growing up in a toxic household. Either way, it's complicated and it can be a mix of emotions and really tough. And it's something that you just don't expect to have to deal with. And whilst I'm not comparing or trying to create some kind of pissing contest between those experiences of having a family member that's no longer around to ask or being adopted or raised by somebody else, whatever that is, what I'm pointing out is the difference because every situation will come with its own stresses and its own triggers and its own traumas and none of them are less valid than the other. The point is in those situations, you often won't be told to just reach out. And you won't be judged specifically for being unable to supply that information, which is what makes it unique. It doesn't make it any more difficult than other situations. 
it just makes it a unique situation that I think a lot of us don't really realise we will come up against. Fortunately for me, I did end up getting the results back after I had an ultrasound and everything was perfectly normal. I was fine. It did look like I'd had a bit of mastitis, which I didn't even know you could get uh, when you weren't breastfeeding. So that was an education in and of itself. But aside from the anger and the resentment of not being able to reach out to my mum, and not being willing to put myself in the position of feeding her behaviour or allowing her to make my traumas and my experience about her. There was also the element of really just wanting someone to look after me and to be there to listen to me and to hear how frightened I was. And yes, there are other people that you can reach out to who can fulfil those roles, but... And I think a lot of people will relate to this. When you are raised in a toxic household, you are very careful with who you share your vulnerabilities with when you get older or you share them too freely and learn pretty quickly that you will get hurt because you're reaching out looking for something and you become quite guarded. And for me, that's definitely the truth. I find it really difficult to reach out to people. I know for a fact I could have reached out to my mother-in-law and said, this is where I'm at. I'm so frightened, but I just didn't want to reach out and to ask for that support and to ask for that help. I also didn't do it with my close female friends who I know would have been there to support me, who I know I could have spoken to and said, look, I'm really scared about this. But I think that that is a part and parcel of being a child who has been abused, who has been in a traumatic situation, whose vulnerabilities have been weaponized. And I think that happens so often in these situations where we've had to cut ties with our parents. So I say, I think I know that happens so often in these situations from both my own experience, from what I've learned within this community and from speaking to clients. It is what happens. Your vulnerabilities are weaponized. So you learn pretty quickly to hold your cards against your chest or prepare to be hurt. And when you're already, it's that wounded animal syndrome, isn't it? When you're already wounded and you're already frightened, you tend to retreat. And I think that's exactly what I did. And with that, again, came its own type of resentment because I really wanted that maternal figure who, in part, I denied myself by not reaching out to the other maternal figures that I have, like my mother-in-law. But also I really wanted, I wanted my mum. I wanted the ideal of my mum, the person that I thought she was when I was really enmeshed with her or that I created in my head in order to survive. Or even that person that you read about in the magazines that you long for when you are growing up in a toxic environment. I wanted that person and I couldn't reach out to that person because that person doesn't really exist. The version of my mum that I've got is a very different person to what I would need her to be in that scenario. And that was a tough pill to swallow. And I think that will be the same kind of emotion when you experience childbirth, when you experience a new milestone, when you experience a health scare. All of these things are things that typically you might want to talk to your mum about and she is not available for that. And I guess as well, when it comes to health scares, there is a certain level of when you cut ties with a toxic parent, it has a ripple effect, doesn't it? So you can no longer feel like in some situations, perhaps you can. But in my situation, I could not reach out to her side of the family because she'd certainly isolated herself from them. 
and by proxy isolated me from them. So I don't really know any of them and never really did. I think when I was little, I vaguely remember maybe once or twice going to something like Butlins with one or two of them. And then that would be it. We wouldn't see each other for years and years and years. I know for a fact that most of my mum's side of the family and and my dad's, but that's a totally different topic. (laughs) I know if they walk past me in the street, they wouldn't recognise me unless they'd been checking up on my social medias. But as a person, they just wouldn't recognise me. They wouldn't know me. And why would they? We've never really had a relationship. So I couldn't even reach out to them to find out what the family history might be. I couldn't even reach out on that side for support because a toxic parent can isolate you so quickly, especially especially when you cut ties. I know for a fact if I reached out to my aunt, for example, now, I would just be given a mouthful about how I speak about my mother, how I treated my mother, without her ever really knowing the truth of it. And I know that she would want to shame me and create some kind of hurt around that, again, despite not knowing or being involved in any of my childhood, really. But that is what happens when you have a toxic parent that you cut ties with. You can become incredibly isolated from the rest of your family and you can't supply that information. So it just feels like it's one big kick in the teeth, really, when you do find yourself in these situations and you have your current family to offer you support. But you don't have those people that you grew up with, the people that you're hardwired to look to for support. And I spoke to a client about this earlier on in the week of how it's not about the family that we've created because we know that we can do that for ourselves and that's amazing and it's wonderful and that should be cherished to the max because the family we choose is so important and so healing for us. When it comes to these kind of situations, you still feel that sadness, that longing or that regret or that anger all of which are perfectly valid emotions, some of which you may relate to, some of which you may not, because we are hardwired as individuals to look to our parents for support, especially when we're children. We all have that inner child who still wants those parents to be those figures of support and love. And we all have that inner teen who's pretty pissed off about it all as well. But when it comes to these big health scares, it is perfectly natural for us to feel a whole bundle of emotions that people who have not got these experiences perhaps can't understand in tandem with their own fears surrounding health scares. Now, if you find yourself in this situation and you are currently experiencing a health scare or experiencing something similar to what I've been talking about today, then I want you to know that you're not alone in that and that whatever you are feeling, whether it be sadness, whether it be a desire to reach out because you want that support, a a vulnerability around reaching out to other people, anger, resentment, whatever it is that you're feeling, it's okay to feel those feelings. One of the tools that I used when I was feeling all of these big emotions around this was to journal, not in the classical sense of a, this is what happened with my day, this is this, but a more practiced counselling type of journaling. It was like a feelings journal. And I think this might be useful for anyone who's listening who is relating. So I might have started off with this morning I had to go to see my doctor about breast lump that I found. And then I would go on to talk about 
how I felt in that situation, what the experience brought up for me, how I processed the information, what triggered me, what didn't trigger me. And I would urge you to do this if you're going through a rough time, regardless of whether it's a health scare or not, or even just as a good healthy practice to look at these kind of feelings journals, talking about how things have come up for you, what's reflected for you in your day-to-day experiences, what things might have triggered you, what might have been a glimmer, which if you don't know is the opposite of a trigger, something that brings you a little sparkle of joy that you just didn't expect or sparks off a joyful memory. Whatever that might be, getting into the practice of journaling out your feelings and talking about how things have come up for you is a really useful tool when you are estranged or when you are dealing with a particularly stressful situation. And it might feel a bit weird at first to be talking about, this was what I did here, this is how this made me feel. But I think you'll find it quite surprising if you're anything like me, the things that will come up for you whilst you are doing the practice might surprise you you how much of a big deal something feels like for perhaps for example it would be like it was for me the nurse being really kind to me and saying to me oh don't worry about it my love you don't have to supply the information we have all sorts of different things that stop people from being able to supply it. it's really not that big a deal you know it's just just a little bit uh, helpful to know sometimes but it's not going to impact you negatively that really stuck with me that she was so kind and so empathetic and so quick to reassure me that this wasn't a massive deal even though to me it was and in the grand scheme of things it could be useful in the medical history file but she said you are your own person and your own medical history is more important than that of your family and genetics and I just thought I really needed to hear that in that moment and just hearing those words you are your own person really brought something up for me so journaling around that and examining what that brought up for me why that had such an impact why it helped me and holding on to that was really useful for me in processing everything that was going on around me and just writing it out sometimes. Sometimes I think when we are estranged, it's almost like it's all of ours to hold. There's no one to scream it at anymore. And I found this in particular with my relationship with my dad. When I was a teenager, a lot of my anger would be directed at my dad. My dad for leaving, my dad for having affairs and valuing them over me, my dad for being the person that he was and such a disappointment as a father and being such a toxic father at times, but also for leaving me in the situation with my mum. I think I had a lot of subconscious anger around that. But when he would contact me, I would be vicious, especially as a young teen uh, moving into sort of 15, shortly before he died, 16, uh, well, 16 when he died. And I, I look at that now and I think sometimes that was a bit of an outlet for me because I would tell him exactly what I thought of him and I would tell him exactly how much he'd let me down and how much he'd hurt me. And now that he's gone... I don't have the opportunity to do that. And as an adult, my opportunity would be to sit down and to have a rational conversation with him or as rational as you can have with someone who has hurt you so badly or even to write it in a letter. But as a child and as a teenager, I was just so angry. And sometimes having that outlet, I would feel better afterwards, as awful as it might sound. 
Oh, well, I suppose it doesn't really sound awful, does it? This is somebody who has abandoned me, who has betrayed me and who has really caused damage in my life. I'm allowed to be angry with him. I'm allowed to express that anger. And we often feel better after we express our anger. But when you're estranged, there isn't anyone to express it to. You've drawn that line underneath. And sometimes especially when these kind of situations come up that remind you of that anger, remind you of that resentment and that hurt, it can be really difficult to just hold space for those emotions, to just have them there simmering away. Why is my parent the way that she is so that I can't even reach out to her to say, hey, do I need to let the doctors know that we've got a huge history of breast cancer and that I could be at higher risk? Why isn't she there for me? All of those feelings sit on you So being able to journal them out or even being able to talk to them with someone that you can trust who you know isn't going to weaponize it against you is absolutely huge and I found it really, really useful. And I think if you have the opportunity to just journal out those feelings, talk about how you are feeling in the moment and keep a bit of a log whilst you are going through whatever it is that you're going through, that is a really useful habit for you to get into. Now, it's only going to be a short episode today because I have a little girl who is not very well, hence the reason this episode is going out slightly later in the day than I would usually have intended. And I know that you guys will understand when I say she takes precedent and I'm very disorganised this week, having come back from holiday and had everybody be poorly, including myself. So I am going to give you that short episode today and I hope if you are going through whatever I have spoken about today or something similar and this resonates with you you have a safe space to reach out to my dms on at toby and rue on instagram and tiktok and at unfollowing mum on both of those are always welcome and I hope you do come and join the community especially on unfollowing mum because I talk a lot about these kind of experiences and how narcissistic and toxic parents impact us and how to pull through the other side so I hope to see you there don't forget that you are not alone in these experiences whatever your circumstances might look like you are not to be responsible or to blame for your parents choices and the way in which they treat you take care Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.